welcome to Conscious Contemplation. Thank you so much for this conversation that we're about to have. I'm excited because I've never been really in a deep chat with a sex, love and relationship coach before and it's definitely one of those blasé topics that we learn about but like maybe are missing a lot of knowledge. So thank you so much for being here. Mm, No worries. Thank you, Amelia. I'm so excited to be the first sex love relationship coach you've talked to. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And I know like for a lot of couples, it would be an area where they might, might just like let it linger and not actually investigate what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see that a lot? I definitely see that. I think that when it comes to relationships, we kind of assume, we assume it's the natural order. We assume that we'll just fall into one. We assume we have to do it. So we also assume that it's going to come naturally to us. So when it doesn't, when something gets hard, we instantly, we don't think there's something wrong with what we know. We think we're broken. Mm. And I definitely see a lot of couples just assuming, oh no, if we're not, you know, we've been together for so long, if we're not compatible in the bedroom still, it must mean we're not compatible, or we're broken, or Mm. we're not meant to be together forever, or we've grown apart, or blah blah blah, so on, so on, so on, when really it's just a really simple matter of, oh, there's just some knowledge we don't have. and. Where do we go to get that knowledge? Because yeah, we we all think that we have the education, um, but it's severely lacking. So <laughs> yeah, I think everyone. Should, I think this should be required required learning, going in and learning about your own body and your own sexuality and what turns you on, and then mm. I think that would truly save a lot of marriages and a lot of heartache for so many people. Yeah, and in terms of like sexual pleasure. We put it all so much externally. Like, I know when I was single, it was like, oh, I don't have a man, so I, I don't have any pleasure. Because mm. that was, like, how I was conditioned to believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah Listening definitely. to what you have to offer has, like, been a really good, like, come at a good time, I think, for me, to, like, add on. And it's helped relationships as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the biggest lie we tell ourselves that Mm. someone else is responsible for our pleasure or that we need someone else to turn us on or um, there's so many other things that are more worthwhile of our time Mm. so we don't pay attention to ourselves and our basic needs and we don't give ourselves love and and truly understand how worthy we are of pleasure and there's nothing we need to do to earn it we are worthy of that pleasure inherently and I definitely see so many people just forgetting that and expecting other people to meet our pleasure needs and thinking we have to do that, you know, thinking, oh, I can't just bring myself pleasure. Mm-hmm. I'm not. And whether or not you consciously think this or not, it's, it's the underlying message which we're telling our bodies that I'm not worthy of this. And so it's big. A woman or any person who takes their own pleasure into their own hands, (laughs) pun intended, (laughs) is truly saying, no, I'm worthy of this. And when you understand your own worth, you are deeply empowered, totally unstoppable, totally just um, more stable in life, less impacted by what other people think, feel, or judge about you or say, because you know that you're just so much more solid at your core. And it all Mm -hmm. comes down to self-worth. So it's like this beautiful balance of, am I worthy of this? And then receiving the pleasure, but you can do it both ways. You can show your body that you are worthy by building in a healthy self-pleasure practice. Mm. So So what is a healthy self-pleasure practice? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I would say a healthy self-pleasure practice is really taking the time to tune into your own body and what it likes and what turns you on and going 10 times slower than we think we need to. So I'd say healthy self-pleasure practice is where you are in tune with the needs, wants, and desires of your body and just take the time to devote to yourself. Mm. Um, so 
and everyone's timeline is different obviously but I would say as often as possible once a month once a week once a day just tuning in and giving yourself your own loving presence and it doesn't even have to be a full you know orgasmic experience self-pleasure can literally be just any way you give your body pleasure so it can be because that's what we think so many times we especially as feminine creatures um don't give ourselves enough time to warm up mm. so it feels like it feels bad instantly because we just rush ahead because we that's what we see around us and we think that we're not worthy enough so we don't give it enough time so by not giving ourselves enough time to warm up then it doesn't feel good so really a self-pleasure practice can be as simple as running your hands over your hair or rubbing um, your hands down your arms or even using massage oil and massaging your, your own feet or your own calves your own legs mm. and all these places of our bodies um, did you know <laughs> orgasms don't actually have anything to do with our genitals you don't okay. actually have to stimulate your genitals to orgasm an orgasm is just a buildup of energy that creates a sudden shift in the energy like a um, a release of energy so that's what you think of an orgasm you know there's mm. there's a build-up there's a shift there's a release and then there's a coming down after so mm. you can have an Could orgasm you relate that in a way like first thing that came into my mind was mm -hmm. almost like when you do breath work mm. sometimes it's like a build-up of energy and like yeah. when you sigh it's like a massive release yeah. yeah could you even call that a type of self-pleasure yeah sure and like orgasm yeah i see a lot of. of similarities in um orgasmic practices and breath work you mm. can actually if you learn to cycle energy through your body i can actually i can make myself orgasm just through my breath wow yeah. <laughs> how long did that take you <laughs> um so that took me probably a year and a half from learning from my first introduction to breath work that's where i started to learning about my body what turned me on to going into my body here's the trick if you don't go into your body to meet all the parts of yourself that you're afraid of meeting then you'll never have the free flow of energy in your body so in order to reach ultimate pleasure and being you know being in tune with our pleasure doesn't mean that we only seek pleasure all the time and we totally ignore the, what we label as negative emotions mm. because being happy all the time isn't actually any better than being sad all the time because those are both flat lines and that's one thing my husband was trying to tell me for years and I <laughs> hate that he was right <laughs> slash I love it actually um, but yeah a flat line is always a flat line it doesn't matter where you are so if you want more pleasure in your life you have to be willing to go down into the pain as well and if we have parts inside of ourselves that we're not willing to meet we'll never be able to access our full pleasure so saying mm -hmm. yes to more pleasure and yes to more orgasmic bliss and more abundant joy is also saying okay yes I'm ready to meet you to all parts of yourself that might bring pain or that mm. we're afraid to meet because we don't know what we're gonna find mm. why is it that it's so much easier to like find pleasure or experiences with a partner than with yourself do you think like mm. we let them have you know i guess the power in a way like to create the scene mm. but then when we're by ourselves. I would say there's two kinds of people. One person that does it that way, that mm. relies on other people to bring them their pleasure. Um, and like you can do both. You can have a sexual life, a sexual intimate experience where you bring yourself pleasure and you're really good at that. Or you can have an experience where someone else brings you pleasure and you're really good at that. And you can have both. Most of us are better at one than the other. So, and this is, this is from my mentor, Layla Martin. She said this to me, and, and I learned a lot just from this one statement. If you're better at orgasming with a partner, then there's one thing you need to work on. And if you're better at orgasming on your own, then there's one thing you need to work on. So if you're the type of person who's better at showing up and letting someone else bring you pleasure, then the thing you need to work on is... Um, how much you desire yourself mm -hmm. because 
if we are letting other people bring us our pleasure, then that's us attaching how much we are worthy of desire onto them and their experience. So we need that outside validation mm. to, so that we can then feel like we're worthy of that level of pleasure. But for other people, if you're better at orgasming on your own and you're better at just taking time to yourself, you know, like, oh, a partner can never bring me an orgasm. I always just have to do it myself. I'm much better there. Yeah, that's actually common as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, most people are going to be better at one or the other. Yeah. So if that's you, if you are better at orgasming on your own, then what you need to work on is your surrender mm-hmm. and how much you can truly let go with someone else instead of just being sucked up into your head and judging the experience. So I would say that's, and that's what I learned from Lane Martin, that there's two kinds of people. So for me personally, I was always better able to orgasm with a partner. Mm-hmm. Like I can make myself orgasm really easy. I always pride myself on how orgasmic I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I noticed, and I didn't actually notice there was a difference, and I didn't actually know that I could bring myself the same level of pleasure that a partner brings me until I heard her say that I was like oh shit I don't desire myself as much as I want other people to desire me or I have to wait for that validation from them to say oh yes I'm worthy of this yes it's okay Mm. um so just within the past couple of months I have been able to bring myself to orgasm in a way that has brought me to my knees (laughs) (laughs) so just through showing up and giving myself regular, like a healthy self-pleasure practice like we were just talking about, I've slowly just taught my body how worthy I am of pleasure. Because mm. um, it doesn't think like, oh, we're doing this now. It's like, oh, yep, you know, we're going into it again. Yeah. So like, I guess it would build like the trust mm-hmm. from just doing it more consistently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Self-pleasure practice is a beautiful way to build trust in your body. Yeah. Definitely. Um, And really taking the time to ask your body what it wants and what Mm. it needs. And a beautiful, beautiful way to build trust in your body, actually, which I think we could all use more trust in our bodies, is to ask your body for consent. Ah, Like, consent is a really big, hot topic word right now, isn't it? Um, But what a lot of us don't realize is how important it is to get consent from our own bodies. And especially if we were kids who were ever involved in a, you know, where we didn't get consent. And I'm talking about, you know, yes, capital T kind of trauma as well, but also just little things that most of us grew up with, like having to hug relatives when we didn't want Mm. to, or, you know, just little kid things, like having to go to the dentist when we didn't want to, or having to turn off our favorite cartoon when we didn't want to, and, you Mm. know, like things that choices when they weren't taken away from us and we weren't given the proper chance to make our own choice, which I do understand. Um, So for anyone that has a history where they're used to their choices not being listened to, and as simple as, you know, those little things, a beautiful way to build trust in our bodies is to ask our bodies for permission, for consent, mm-hmm. before we do anything. So before I put earrings in the morning, I ask my body if it's okay. And definitely, definitely, if you put anything into your body, whether it's in your vagina or your mouth or, you know, whatever it is, you should ask for consent first. Mm-hmm. And your body will respond. Mm-hmm. And a no is a no. It doesn't mean it's a no forever. You know, it's so easy to judge our experiences in it and be like, oh, mm. I feel turned on right now, but I'm asking my vagina if this crystal dildo is okay, and it's saying no. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm broken. Oh, no, I'm never... Oh, no, why? Oh, no. <laughs> like, it's okay. Yeah. It's just a no. And if you listen to that and take a few breaths, and then you can ask again, maybe or not, and then just say, okay, what would you like instead? And then mm. your body will give you the answers. Mm. So. What would you say to someone that came to you with, like, a relationship problem where they know they're getting a no a lot, like, in terms of, like, having mm-hmm. intimacy with their partner. Um, but, like, sometimes partners, like, don't, I guess, take that answer. They don't respect Yeah, they respect boundaries. the boundaries. Yeah. I would say, um, first of all, just the knowledge that everyone is worthy of having their boundaries respected. Mm. And sometimes when our boundaries are crossed, it's only because we didn't actually tell the other person what they are. So, you know, 
as we go through life and we learn more and we realize like, oh no, that's not okay with me. I thought I was saying, no, I didn't like that, but I can see how maybe I didn't voice my opinion very clearly. So yes, the knowledge that everyone's worthy of having their boundaries respected. It is the only person's whose responsibility is to voice what your boundaries are is yourself. So mm-hmm. no one else can guess what your boundaries are. Um, I guess it's not to say like there's obvious like not trying to make it okay for people to blow past other people's boundaries. That's obviously like obviously it's not okay for someone to do something physical to another person without getting consent first. Mm-hmm. But in a relationship over time, if they've built up a certain pattern and maybe you realize like, oh no, I don't like that, then just communicate it. Um, mm-hmm. And a beautiful way to communicate it is outside of the bedroom first. So mm-hmm. don't wait till you're having the sex to bring up the conversation, bring it up outside of the bedroom. And um, just say, hey, I'd really have some things I like to talk about. I am working on, and you always focus the conversation on you because you don't want to make it about them because then as soon as we hear you're doing this, our walls go up and we get defensive. Um, mm-hmm. So if you focus yeah, the conversation on you. I'm so glad I learned that. <laughs> I learned that a while ago and it changed my life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all just like, our body's only job is to keep us alive. Yeah. So anything that comes as a threat makes us get defensive. So mm-hmm. every time we can focus our, the, on, the only truth we have is our own. Mm-hmm. So if we can focus on our truth and share with our partner that truth. Like I promise you, your partner does want to know what your truth is. They do want to know how you feel and especially how they're making you feel. Um, Mm. And I know a lot of times they can be equally as frustrated when they don't know where our boundaries are because we don't know them ourselves and we haven't communicated them. So Mm -hmm. taking the time to lovingly explain to your partner what your experience is like is one of the best gifts you can give them. Because I promise you, if you're in a relationship, this person wants you to be happy. Mm. And if not, why are you in this relationship? So it's just a, a, a question to ask yourself, am I what am I expecting here? What do I think I'm worthy of? So if your answer is yes, I'm worthy of having my boundaries met. Yes, this person is capable of giving them to me. Um, then talk to them outside of the bedroom. Say, mm-hmm. hey, this is my experience. I'm learning to trust my body more. I would love your help. When we're in the bedroom and I would really appreciate if you could do this. So maybe check in and say, hey, do you like when I do this? And you can make a game of it. You know, quite often we think that growth has to be painful. But you can make a game of it. Like, do you like when I do this? Do you like, how about this? Do you like Mm. when I do this? Um, Or even take the time to show them what you do like instead. So I'm trying to go back to your question about, like, if our boundaries in a relationship haven't been respected, then I would say the first question to ask yourself is, have I communicated them properly? Do they even know what they are? Am I respecting my own boundaries myself? Mm. and then bringing that up to them in conversation. And if you're in a relationship, this has to be said, if you're in a relationship where your boundaries are continuously not met, something needs to change. Either you need to find a way for your boundaries to be met or have an honest conversation with yourself and this other person. Are they capable of meeting your boundaries? Mm. And if not, that relationship might need to be looked at as something that needs to change. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> do you mind going deeper into like how orgasms work like the mechanics of that yeah <clears throat> so i can so i work with women so i call myself <laughs> a wife coach not a life coach a wife coach so i just wanted to name that my experience is with women mm-hmm. predominantly um female bodies i do think that our sexuality and our gender, I think all of this is on a spectrum. So you're going to have people at one end of the spectrum and at the other end of the spectrum. So predominantly I work with people who are in female bodies. So this is my learnings on them. Um, People in male bodies will have some similarities. And also I think that some people in, in, in female bodies will be more towards the spectrum of the male end in some areas, but not all. So I just had to name that, that this is who I'm speaking to people who are in women bodies or who identify more with this end of the spectrum. So how orgasms work is, like I said before, orgasms are just a shift in in, uh, energy state. So just like Mm -hmm. breath work, you're just working with the energy of your body. And 
for most female body people, we're in a yin energy, um, which is um, yin energy comes from the outside in. Mm-hmm. So to be turned on, quite often we need to start from the outside and like our non-erogenous zones too. So outside your body like words and then touching your body with erogenous, non-erogenous zones and then working into the more erogenous zones. So orgasm is a buildup of stimulation in anywhere in your body, most often leading to erogenous zones only because our erogenous zones have more nerve endings. So here's the most fascinating tidbits I've learned about women's bodies that mm. we're never taught. So <laughs> male bodies and female bodies are homologs. So they have all the same parts, just organized differently. Mm. So in a male body with a penis, all that beautiful um, erectile or engorgement tissue that creates the stiffness and the firmness, female bodies have too. So ours is just inside, mm. not outside. And in male bodies, you'll find that with a release of shift and state, the orgasm, and ejaculation and orgasm are different, by the way. Um, it's just so often that they come together or a male ejaculates and we ass- everyone assumes that the sex is over. But that's not true, they're different. But male bodies are aligned that the orga- or engorgement tissue all releases at once so that they can get the propulsion of ejecting the sperm. But female systems, all this engorgement tissue releases at different times. Mm. So that's why women are capable of an orgasm that like crests and falls and, and keeps going. And they also don't need the same refractory period as a male does because a penis, you know, it all, orgasm happens, ejaculation happens and they need the rest time about 20 minutes apparently till the blood can continue circulating and they can the tissue can engorge again, but females mm. are different. So we have inside ourselves, and I could take you on a whole tour. <laughs> um, we have inside ourselves all the same engorgement tissue. And quite often, when sex doesn't feel good, it's because we haven't given ourselves the proper time to warm up because it takes more time for all that engorgement tissue inside. So all the engorgement tissue is around our vagina. Um, underneath, so you have outside, you have your vulva, which is your inner lips and your outer lips. And underneath those is um, the legs of your clitoris and vestibular bulbs. And those will engorge as well and around your vagina and around your urethra and even around your anus. So if you have experienced penetration before you're fully warmed up, then you're not stimulating all the nice nerve endings that are down there. You're just like rubbing against your urethra and your urethra itself isn't a pleasurable sensation um, and i find this most interesting too that all everything connected inside us our wombs actually lift up out of the way during sex so really? when you talk about like there's different kinds of orgasms right so there's a, a clitoral orgasm and your clitoris is the place on your body for women mm. with the most nerve endings yeah and this is how understudied female sexuality is that we've been hearing this number that a clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings, but nobody realized that that was done on a cow. Oh. So this number we've been using for decades yeah. was from a cow. <laughs> Female sexuality wasn't even on the radar for anyone to study until the 90s when someone actually studied female body and they discovered, oh, actually, there's 10,000 nerve endings just in the clitoris alone. By comparison, your entire hand has 18,000 nerve endings. So a clitoris, which for most people is like, you have the head of the p- clitoris, which is like the size of a pea. It, can, it engorges as well, just like a penis does. Um, it can grow up to a couple inches. But that little thing has more than half of the nerve endings as your entire hand. So that's yeah. why clitoris is an important member of our orgasmic experiences. Yeah. Just because there's the most nerve endings there. Um, second to this, so you have clitoral orgasm, <clears throat> G-spot orgasm which is a real thing um, and the g-spot is actually so inside your vagina on the interior wall so like the front like towards your belly is spongy tissue and all that is is actually the engorgement tissue around your urethra urethra but because they're adjacent your, your vagina and your urethra um it's stimulated during penetration as well mm. and then you have cl- cervical orgasms 
which is not actually your cervix. Your cervix doesn't have that many nerve endings itself, but when you're turned on enough, your cervix will raise up out of the way and your womb lifts up out of the way. And when it lifts, two nerve branches are exposed at the deepest part of your vagina. So um, a cervical orgasm is just these nerve branches being hit, which are, you know, nerves are like a tree. So you'll have the trunk and then you have branches and then you have all the little twigs that come out. So all the little twigs are what's in your clitoris, but the branches themselves are what come into your vagina at your cervix. But if you're not turned up, turn on enough, then the engorgent tissue hasn't all inflated mm-hmm. <laughs> and your cervix hasn't lifted up either way. So that's why sometimes like if it penetration doesn't feel good, yeah, right, you're just not, not turned on enough. So it's just an invitation. It doesn't mean you're broken. Yeah. doesn't mean anything's wrong. It only means okay, I need to be turned on more. Mm. And for all of us, so how you get turned on more is we all have um, a brake pedal and an accelerator when we're getting turned on. And things that hit our accelerator are different for everyone. So what turns you on? Like the nice words or the candles or the, you know, foot massage or seeing your partner in a tight pair of jeans like what's going to hit your accelerator and turn you on but you can turn yourself on like you can hit that accelerator as much as you want but if your brake pedals down you're not going anywhere and we're all going to have different sensitivities to our brake pedal and our accelerator Mm -hmm. so different things that hit your brake pedal are stress so stress is going to hit your brake pedal um most often women are going to have a more sensitive brake pedal and that means that any stress, you know, like, so for us, like, so if we're true. in a relationship and, you know, we have kids, I've heard this from so many people, like, men seem to be okay with hearing the kids in the next room to have sex. Women aren't because that's hitting our brake pedal. And, and again, when I say men and women, like, it's a spectrum, sometimes it's going to be opposite, right? Um, but yes, as much as you press on your accelerator pedal, if your brake pedal's touching the floor, you're not going anywhere. So that's why our sexuality and stress actually is woven together really, really tightly. Yeah, I definitely think that I can relate to that. Like, hearing that is such a good way to now put it in my mind of what's happening. Mm. Because I'm like, this normally would, like, help me get in the mood and feel good. And it feels like the same as last time. What's different? But maybe I'm just more stressed that day. Mm. Like, maybe, yeah, if someone is home, like, I'm not going to, like, that is not coming up for me. Like, I need to know that. We have like our own space. Yeah. 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 And and again, these things we take as, you know, when something worked last time and it doesn't work this time, what's our go to? Oh no, I'm broken. Like there's mm. something must be wrong with me. So everything everything is just a gentle invitation to, okay, how much can I show up for myself with kindness and compassion? What do I actually need right now? Um, and you always have the option of and this needs to be said too probably. You always have the option of even when you think you want sex and and you are feeling turned on, if that changes, you're always invited to stop. You know, quite often we think that because we started, oh, no, we're going to let this person down. Oh, no, we're going to like this is a prudish thing to do. I don't want to be prude. So we just go ahead anyhow. But that is slowly eroding trust in our bodies. So Mm. you're always, always, always welcome to change your mind. You're always welcome to say, hey, this like, you know, I thought this was well, I wanted, I thought it was going to work for me. Can we just cuddle for a while instead? Or do you mind if we try this instead right now? You know, I think there's just too much going on for me in my brain. I can't shut my brain off. Could you help me? Mm. And reaching out and asking for our partners for help is incredibly vulnerable and beautiful. But having sex with people is vulnerable. So there's something else I was going to say, but I lost it. Mm. I think... <laughs> as well what comes up is like oh like if I'm not feeling um into it for whatever reason I'll just like pleasure them Mm. but then you're not doing it actually from a place of like wanting to do it you're doing it because like you feel bad yeah 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 Yeah. and instead we can shift to what do we want and bringing our partners whether it's a romantic partner or a sexual partner bringing them pleasure when we're in tune with our body can bring us equal amounts of pleasure too because it's the the energy you know 
we're just we're just fancy batteries so <laughs> everything it's like we're just a current of energy so quite often and this is a good thing to talk about too actually quite often i hear from my clients that women especially are so used they're just feeling like they're giving you know, mm-hmm. like in, in sex and in, in life, like I just feel like I'm giving all the time, giving, 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 and we're not receiving. And if we feel like we're just giving all the time and we're not receiving, then that's because part of us thinks we're not worthy of receiving or that we're only worthy of receiving mm-hmm. if we've given enough. And that's a lot of times cultural programming. So it's this conditioning we have that's really deep-seated. So the only way to counteract that is to show up for ourselves with loving compassion and kindness and say, okay, I'm giving a lot right now. If I feel like I'm not receiving, what do I need to change? Have I expressed my needs to my partner? Um, Do I even know what I want? Because if I don't know what I want, how can I let them just guess what I want? Because that's just setting them up for failure. So how do we learn to ask for what we want in a way that ensures you're going to get it. And how do I show myself and my body that I'm worthy of this? Mm. So, and a beautiful way to do that is just giving love to ourselves. So massaging our breasts even, like a breast massage is a great way to build, because it's right over your heart. Mm. Um, so massaging our breasts is a great way to build our self-worth and understanding how worthy of pleasure we are. Mm. Um, one other thing I just thought of that's, I think, really helpful for people. And whether or not you're in a heterosexual relationship or um, one with a different mix of genders, there's going to be energies at play. And, you know, yes, we've labeled them feminine and masculine. That's unfortunate. (laughs) We can call them yin and yang, whatever we call them. We need that polarity because we're batteries. So we need that polarity. That's how attraction works. So no matter what gender you are, or no matter what gender your partner is, there's going to be one person who is on the yin end of the spectrum, who's more feminine, and one person who's on the yang end of the spectrum, or masculine. And again, feminine masculine labels, like it doesn't mean man or woman, it's not tied to our genitals, whatever. But you do need that difference. And also what's really interesting is just because, like you might have that energy play out in one way in your relationship, and then it's totally different in your sex in your sex life together. Mm. So just because on the outside, like one partner's obviously more masculine and what we label as masculine and one partner's more feminine doesn't mean that's how they're meeting in their sexuality. So getting in touch with our own sexuality, what turns us on, what works for us and our partner is I think the most empowering thing we can ever do because mm. no one else gets to tell us what ours is like for us. Like we can, we can go through life and we can pick up all these tools and these like bits of wisdom and like I just shared about our pleasure systems we can pick up those tidbits of knowledge, but it really takes the time to get in touch with our own bodies. And that's one of the most empowering things we can do because no one else can empower you. Actually, I have a, a personal um, pet peeve for anyone that calls himself an empowerment coach because you can't empower someone else because mm-hmm. power has to come from inside. So I have tips and tools and stuff. Like even, you know, maybe as a wife coach, my job is to, I'm using this air quotes, people who are listening, empower wives but that's not my job the only Mm -hmm. thing i can do is help them get in touch with their own bodies so Mm -hmm. that they can empower themselves yeah so i think our sexuality is such a powerful way to do that because our sexual energy is the only energy force we have that we can generate on our own Mm -hmm. we don't need anyone else and yes we attach it to other people all the flipping time but we don't actually need anyone else to turn us on to build this energy um, to bring ourselves pleasure. It's an energy source we have mm. in ourselves, of ourselves, by ourselves, for ourselves. Mm. And just, it's subtly disempowering and it's one of the biggest energy leaks we have just to give out, hand out our power to other people all the time. Say, no, I don't want to take responsibility for my own pleasure because then I might have to face the deep-seated unworthiness I feel inside me. It's much easier for me to just hand my pleasure over to you and expect you to take care of me for me that's mm. just that's just much easier let's do it that way mm. so that's why it's one of the most empowering things we can do to take yeah. care of ourselves never as much fulfillment is left after that though absolutely not yeah no and it's the more like you need the more fix. you need so yeah 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 mm. absolutely yeah um so in terms of like adding pleasure into your life 
with your own practice Mm. does that help with like other parts of your life now that you're like connected with yourself like how do you see the shift oh my god yes oh far out absolutely the (laughs) one of the most beautiful examples i can think of is the subtlest shift i made inside myself um i just started being kinder to myself more Mm. so this is just an example um i started watching the mean girl voice inside me and i shifted it just to be a little bit kinder and i wasn't trying to impact my external environment at all i was literally just showing up saying hey cara how can you be more nice to cara and other people noticed my husband noticed my kid noticed my kids noticed that i was nicer to them too and i wasn't even trying Mm. so absolutely when we our external world is just a mirror of our internal world there is nothing you can't work on outside of yourself that you can't change dramatically by just focusing inside yourself mm-hmm. so showing up and being kinder to yourself giving yourself no words um if like in the previous example you're the kind of person that feels like they're giving, 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 never receiving, receiving, receiving. Okay, how can I receive more? Like, what do I need to do so that I receive? Like, how do I give to myself so I can receive this love? Give yourself compliments and then yeah. receive them. If you want anything in your external world, can be done in your internal world. And self-pleasure is a beautiful way to do that. Mm. <laughs> and to actually, like hear the compliment feel the compliment like Mm -hmm. take it on Mm. you know yeah Yeah. it's wildly confronting yeah just to sit sit still look yourself in the eye in a mirror and say i love you Mm. wildly confronting the first time i did something like this i did an exercise where i just looked at my face in a mirror and i just described what i saw and for someone who's always Like, I would say I like myself, you know, always had a pretty good relationship with my body. Um, It was really confronting that when I sat down for the exercise, I found dozens of negative things. Like, Mm. I was so judgmental of myself. And I would even say that I had a good relationship with my body at the time. And it was just wildly confronting, like, oh, shit, like, how am I, why am I so mean to myself? Mm. And a lot of that is just external messaging we're picking up that we're absorbing into ourselves. So, um, yes, giving ourselves the love and the pleasure is a beautiful way to teach ourselves how worthy we are of it. Yeah, and, like, if you think about it as, like, when you're going to start that self-pleasure journey, you don't want to be having, like, a bad day with, like, feeling like the world's against you and stuff. Like, that's not going to be, at the end of the day, a day where you go okay I'm gonna love myself now Mm, you know so it's like the better your life gets from the loving kindness you give the more you're I guess in turn going to be like oh I've had a good day like what else what else can I do to you know finish it off and feel more pleasure which is something that I've just realized really (laughs) deeply (laughs) from talking to you that yes I didn't actually understand before yeah Yeah, it's so simple, but how are we supposed to show up in our lives expecting to be happy or experience joy or Mm. orgasmic bliss or pleasure when we're not choosing that for ourselves? Mm. Like, how are we expecting to get this outcome if we're not starting from it? So you have to start from it. And it's wildly confronting. We're not taught how to do it. We're taught that we have to hate our bodies if they don't look a certain way. And I got to tell you, I was recently in, I went to um, a retreat in Costa Rica with Layla Martin. So I was in a room with a hundred women and non-binary beings. And for a lot of the week we were naked. And so I've been in a room with a hundred women and non-binary beings. And I gotta tell you, there was not one person in that room that was not absolutely flipping gorgeous. Not one, any body shape, any size. And it was such a (laughs) wholesome and beautiful experience to have to see that and to realize it. And also to see that the people who presented as having the most, again, air quotes, typical body in society that we judge as beautiful, when they were naked, they had just as many flaws as anyone else. And they were often the ones that were typically from the outside perceived as more beautiful by our current societal standards were often the most self-conscious in that room. Mm. I think because they are 
more like everyone else kind of has to get comfortable with their body you know if you have stretch marks in a certain area or thighs that are dimpled or you know like whatever it is boobs are uneven in size if you have something that isn't recognized as beautiful in our society you've already had to do some of the work Mm. just to exist right but someone who's in a typically beautiful body hasn't had to do that work because they've never had it thrown in their face yeah always got like external validation from people saying like yeah you're beautiful but like the same thing of like do they actually feel that compliment as truth yeah exactly yeah because they didn't have to do anything to earn it so yeah i just think that experience is worth sharing and i really think it's an experience that would be wild (laughs) like (laughs) just being in a room with like a hundred different bodies yeah Yeah. wildly freeing and beautiful and yeah we're wired for connection yeah and to be able to connect with other people is beautiful Mm. but we'll never be able to connect with other people as much as we want if we don't take the time to connect with ourselves yeah and like going from growing up when you kind of like start losing your virginity it's kind of like oh now now I'm getting that external feeling and it's Mm. like a massive thing at the beginning but then it just gets like I guess used to it and then I feel like if I'm generalizing a lot of women especially would like lose their virginity and like have sex with a lot of people and then it would take like a massive breakup or like a massive point for them to be like okay now I actually have to get to know myself without Mm. letting people in absolutely yeah and people can go their whole lives without having that experience you know um I think every woman goes through a um sexual awakening Mm. and like some of the women I've met go through it in their 60s. So, and I can't imagine, like I've, I've met women who are in their 60s and have never taken the time to actually look at their vulva or um, look at their vagina or even understand how beautiful they are because they've just spent their whole life judging themselves based on external validation. So I do think every woman goes through a sexual awakening at some point, mm-hmm. no matter if it comes, you know, maybe after a breakup or maybe after a decades long marriage where you wake up one day and you're like oh how did I get here Mm. (laughs) so one of my friends went through a sexual awakening because she was like letting her partner in when she wasn't turned on Mm. and she developed like thrush Mm. and that was from in like she's put it down to the emotional cause of it being created just Mm. really never like we said at the beginning expressing the boundaries saying no Mm. um she obviously had like one pedal on the break and (laughs) just didn't understand that about herself and it developed in that and then Mm. by her healing like the thrush and all that it's fully helped her to realize what she needs and wants yeah yeah um first of all look at you just using all these terms i just i know that's so good that's so good um absolutely that's a perfect example of a way that um our bodies are always communicating to us always 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 and (laughs) through our emotions and our sensations and through these physical symptoms our bodies are always communicating to us and i just this is how it played out in my head i play this little story in my head of the first person to say because in our society we value productivity above almost anything else and i imagine the first people to realize like oh i can just ignore these messages from my body and i can be more productive awesome yes thank you you know like oh there's medicine for thrush i don't need to work on the emotional aspect of it this Mm. is just gonna heal me like oh great that's way more time efficient let's do that um but what they didn't realize they were doing the first people who realized oh i can just ignore the messages from my body and i'm actually much more productive with my time what they didn't realize what they were doing was just burying that stress and burying those feelings to deal with later which manifests in ways like physical symptoms. So yes, our bodies are always communicating to us. The best way to trust our bodies um, and heal ourselves is just learning to um, listen. Mm. And the way you do that is really simple. When we have a feeling, we just feel it. (laughs) And a feeling only lasts for 90 seconds. Anything after that is just a story we're telling ourselves about the feeling and the judgment we make about it. So quite often in a conversation with my husband, one of us will say, I just need 90 seconds. 
and then you take some breaths and it's like okay that emotion has come and gone it's left its message for me I've listened I'm gonna take that too <laughs> it's, such a, it's a life it's a totally game yeah. changer isn't it um, and really because all you can ever do is share your own experience mm-hmm. so when you have a feeling ask for 90 seconds and come back and this saves so many arguments just come back to what this is a sensation it's like oh sorry when you said that I felt what did you feel weight in my stomach I felt you know my palms got sweaty I have weight on my shoulders or heat in my forehead or just mm. li- literally list your physical symptoms and that's showing your body you're listening to it and then you kind of be gifted clarity. So all our body wants from us, and I'm pretty sure all the universe wants from us too, is to know that we're paying attention. And when it when it hears our yes, when it feels our loving presence and our attention, then it gifts us the answer we're looking for. Mm. And that's similar to why you know we get so many good ideas when we're in the shower <laughs> because we stopped looking for it. We're quiet. We're still. It just mm. comes to us. Um, I'd like to go back to. Um, your friend and thrush and how um yes it's another example of our bodies so our bodies give us these messages and what happens is they start really subtly just with sensations you know like a a tingling in our our bellies or something like that and then if we don't listen our bodies speak louder and they speak louder and they speak louder until eventually it's like they have to hit us on the side of the head with a brick so it's about subtly getting in tune with the subtleties of our body of just learning to listen and being mm. still and that would happen with a lot of period cramps too i yes. imagine yeah. yeah 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 lots of um stored trauma in our sex centers in our wombs and our cervixes and and things like that that we mm. can heal ourselves just by giving attention to our bodies so yeah definitely yeah. So our sexuality is sacred and it is healing and our orgasm and orgasms are nourishing. We mm-hmm. can actually release so much stored energy like we do in breath work. Um, you know, breath work is just accessing these deeper parts of ourselves and our sexuality can do the same thing. And it, you know, creates the movement of energy so we can actually heal ourselves and release these past stress cycles that just get stuck in our system because we didn't Mm -hmm. listen to them when they arose Mm -hmm. so we can work in it two ways we can start listening to our bodies when things arise now by just getting our body's consent by paying attention to the sensations we're feeling and then we can also go back and complete past stress cycles and release the stress that's trapped in our bodies that give us the really bad period cramps um and yes as good as science is and how amazing it is that we have these resources our bodies are self-healing and when we take time to get in tune with them they'll heal themselves mm-hmm. almost all the time i'm not yeah. a doctor so you know <laughs> if you have any questions go see a doctor but um or concerns i should say but yes you can heal yourself yeah mm-hmm. for sure all right so let's start wrapping up but before we do that tell us about sex magic sex magic yes um so this was taught to me by my mentor, Layla Martin. So I spent the last year and a half working with her to become a um, certified love, sex, and relationship coach. So sex magic is a manifestation practice. So it's really similar to Joe Dispenza's work, actually, where you um, cycle your energy up through your system. So in sex magic, we wake up to the fact that our sexuality is a power we have. So by accessing our power, accessing our worth, we visualize something we want. So something we're manifesting, something we're calling in from the universe. And then we're showing our bodies that we're safe to have it. Mm-hmm. Because if there's something you want that you don't have yet, I guarantee you it's because your body thinks of it as a threat. Mm-hmm. Because our body's only job is to keep us alive. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all it's got. And every time we make a change, whether we see that change is good, you know, like getting more money or a bigger house or, you know, whatever that change is, our body thinks, no, 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 don't do that because any change is a threat because I've kept you alive for this long in this way and any change you make to that is a threat because I can't guarantee you'll be safe. Mm-hmm. So it's our job to show our bodies, no, I'm safe. Like, I'm safe now. Thank you for taking care of me for so long. You've done a great job. Look, I'm still alive. But I'm safe now. So by using sex magic as a manifestation practice, 
we just show our bodies that this desire we have is safe and that it feels good. So that's a beautiful step in the manifestation process that I think a lot of us miss. We just go and, you know, try to manifest something without first showing our bodies that we're safe to have it. Um, and because our sexual energy is the only source of energy we have on our own that we can cultivate ourselves without an external force, we just rise our energy up through our systems, through our chakras, and send it out to the universe, calling it in. Because we're just magnets. Mm. Did you know, actually recently, and I, I wish I wrote this down so I had the credited source, but physicists have recently proved, proven, proved, proven, <laughs> that it's not that, so the tree in the forest, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and no one's yes. around to hear it, it doesn't make a noise. Yeah. That's not the question. The question is actually, if I'm not there to see the tree, does it exist? And mm -hmm. physicists have just proven, no, it doesn't. If we're not here to look at this thing, it doesn't actually exist. So we're energe energetic creatures. There's actually more negative space in my system between the electrons in my body. There's more negative space than there is between you and I right now. So we're energetic creatures. Mm -hmm. The physical reality that we take as, you know, king most of the time by mm -hmm. looking at our physical reality, it's not true. Yeah, I we're think energetic always, creatures more. Like that always comes through for me. Like when I'm in a different country. Mm. I'm like, does my life back home, like, because now I can't see it, I can't yeah. feel it. it. It always helps me see my life at home from, like, such a different perspective. Yeah. Because now I'm seeing a new life, so it always, like, I get the most clarity about my life when I'm not in my life. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of like what you said. Yeah. And it's like zooming out on it, too. Like, yeah. what can't I see because I'm too close to it? Yeah. So, because we all have things we don't see. Mm. And, and yeah, I love, I love thinking of going to other countries and how, like, what a great time to experience our energy is, too. Because how often have you not been able to speak the same language as someone else, but still felt like you could communicate with them? Mm. And that's our energy, you know? And one thing I've taken um, a lesson from lately is I've been watching <laughs> videos of people swimming with sharks, you know? And one of them said, if you don't act like prey then the predator won't think of you as prey. Mm. So that's why when they're swimming with sharks, and again, please don't just take my word for it, swim with sharks. <laughs> but what they do is they don't swim away from the sharks, they face them, yeah. and then they put their hand out to them and just push them away. Whereas when we turn around and run from it, we're acting like prey, so the predator's mm. going to act like a predator. So I've just taken that into my life. I go, I walk down on the nudie beach quite often, and... I just, I hear so many negative stories about it, you know, and like people that were approached when they didn't want to be, and I just surround myself with a golden bubble of light, and I, <laughs> it's my one woman mission, I'm slowly lifting the energy of the nudie beach, so it's a safe place for especially women to go, or anyone. Yeah. I think everyone should be safe together, because it's so magical, and the fact that it's the only legal place we can be naked in nature is absurd. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we spend so long, like it's no wonder we're cut off from our sexuality because we're, exactly. we spend so yeah. long being forced to hide them mm -hmm. and conform in certain ways and like, no, you're not safe to be for your full self here. Mm -hmm. So it's no wonder we're cut off from our full selves because mm -hmm. we're never, ever, ever taught it's okay to be our full selves. I remember one day when I was like in reception, I wore like a tie up like it was like casual day mm. and I wore like a tie up skirt with like frills on it and like a tie up top and I like I don't know must have been playing with the tie and I like got up and it like wasn't on me mm. and I was like everyone like looked and I was like mortified and I think it was like back then when I was like five I was like it's not okay to be naked you know right. yeah and, like always had certain underwear on or whatever but yeah it's crazy how like that kind of little moment mm. like because I I have not been to the nudie beach nude yet <laughs> and it's like hearing you say I'm like oh my god I need to do it like yeah. today <laughs> let's go <laughs> let's go <laughs> Always it's definitely like a big step for me that it is it's really healing it's just yeah i guess subconsciously being putting it off yeah 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 it is it's wildly healing to meet ourselves at our edges and also um i think a few things about this so one like yes that story is a beautiful example of how much 
shame is ingrained with our bodies and our sexuality and how mm-hmm. these messages we've been taught from so young, you know, like work their way into our systems and then they latch on and they're really hard to shift. Um, so yes, we have instantly so much shame tied up around nudity and our bodies and our sexuality. So no wonder we have a hard time getting in touch with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and the second thing is about growth. And, you know, how for you, you can see how going down to the nudie beach would be a healing experience. It would be a good experience to have. So self-pleasure is a beautiful way to grow because the, A, everything that's living grows every day it's alive. So you don't actually have to do anything to grow. We're always healing. We're always growing. You know, we just get stuck in these loops of thinking, I have to do the work. I have to do the work. No, you just have to live. You just have to give your loving presence to things and you're healing. Mm. It's our natural state. And if we want to grow more in any certain area, I hate hustle culture and I hate like talk about boundaries and like pushing yourself to your edges. And because I think that erases so many of the nuances from the conversation, which is like the best way to grow, like when (laughs) through pregnancy and childbirth, like the best way to grow is to stretch slowly over time. Right. Like Mm. and then you heal again. Whereas if we go too fast or in the medical system, if, you know, like they, they do the, um, what is it? I forget the name of it when they, they cut our cesarean. perineum. Yeah, cesarean is my little thing, but I'm talking, yeah. And that takes longer to heal from. Yeah, that's a good example. So cesarean oh, I- takes longer to heal from <laughs> yeah. than having a baby naturally because cut muscle takes longer to heal than stretched muscle. So when we're looking at going into growth areas, our self-pleasure and our orgasms are a beautiful way to grow because you can pendulate into the pain so that you're stretching your boundary, you know, but you don't muscle through it. Yeah. You just stretch it gently and then you come back into pleasure. And in this way you grow naturally and slowly. So it's a slow stretching because stretching is always easier to heal from than breaking through or busting through. So I do, I hate the talks of like, you know, just do it, just, just go. Because we're, if we, A, we don't get the proper consent from our bodies, we're doing more damage than good, and it takes longer to heal from. So if we grow gently, knowing mm-hmm. that our natural state is healing, we don't actually have to do anything, we're doing it anyhow. <laughs> but if we want to grow more, then a slow stretch over time is much healthier mm-hmm. than busting through things. Mm. So a beautiful way to do this is if you feel like you're at your edges, you feel like you're at your boundaries, you know, like maybe you go to the nudie beach and it's wildly confronting and you don't feel safe. A beautiful way to do it is just to come back to your body, two hands on your heart and say, okay, I hear that you don't feel safe right now. What do you need? What can I do to show you I feel safe? And you might get the message, I need a hug. Okay. So you wrap your arms around yourself and give yourself a hug. Like, oh, I really like just need some deep breaths. Okay. I'm going to take three deep breaths and I'll check in again. And these are beautiful ways to just grow our boundaries over time by mm. getting proper consent from our bodies and stretching our boundaries and staying attuned to our healing. Mm. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> you're going to be at Goodness Me Festival. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. another sex magic practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's on the Saturday. March, yeah, 18th. Um yeah. And when I, I should say, so when you do sex magic, you can do it. I didn't mention this at all. How funny. Um, you can do it two ways. So when you're by yourself or in a closed setting, um, you can do it with self-pleasure. So actually using pleasure tools, turning yourself on, bringing yourself to orgasm. When I'm in a group setting, I just use breath work. So not breath work. Sorry. It's not like creating an altered state. I just use our breath to connect to our sex centers and then raise our energy through our chakras. So in a public setting, like at Goodness Me, mm. it's going to be um, obviously very consensual. I, yeah, one of my biggest tools is giving power and fully clothed. And yeah, it would <laughs> be Goodness Me. <laughs> goodness Me! <laughs> Maybe in the future. Maybe one yeah. day we'll get to a place yeah. where we can do a big self-pleasure practice yeah (laughs) Yeah, that would be such a good festival though i'm so excited to go yeah where else can anyone who's listened find Mm -hmm. you yeah so you can find me on instagram at hello cara west and also on tiktok at hello cara west um and i do most of my work online so no matter where you are in the world you can 
work with me. I find I have a couple workshops um, for free actually online or I do one-on-one work. I find that because we're talking about sexuality, um, a lot of people are more comfortable in their own spaces mm. because if your nervous system is safe, like you're in your own home, you know where the walls are, you know the door is closed, you know you're safe, your system can relax into growth more as opposed to when you come to my space or I'm in your space and your body instantly feels a threat. So I do most of my work online and this year, yeah, I'd love to do some more in-person workshops too. But yes, find me online, connect. I promise I'm super friendly. I love a good chat about sex and sexuality and relationships. Um, and how wives particularly can tap into their own sexuality um, and heal their resentment they feel towards their partner. Because resentment is, I think, the one thing that kills our relationships over time. I think if we healed our resentment, the divorce rate would be cut in half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> Even if you've got housemates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like Absolutely. Work, colleagues, yeah. Any humans. Like, anything yeah. yeah it's just a really powerful yeah. tool to be able to become aware of it and overcome it without it manifesting into more yeah absolutely yeah, yeah resentment is such a silent killer yeah mm. okay well thank you so much it's been a pleasure thanks amelia that was so to much talk fun. about pleasure yeah <laughs> <laughs>